it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were hit hard and early. Pardon me? Chicago was hit hard and early. Like well, yeah, we took it more seriously, more fat, more quickly than uh, like Oma, Nebraska, where you know. Yeah, Nebraska. Still not taking it seriously. They're opening up on May fourth. Like completely. Uh, you know, they're having like social distancing rules, but yeah, restaurants can be open. Like full on open. I guess. Oh my God. They never really closed down as much as um, they did yeah. here. So I wonder if they're going to open up the lakes. The campground. There's a lake just south of Lincoln that no one ever goes to, where hardly anybody's ever at, even in the peak summertime. Because there's no facilities, there's no water, running water or electricity or anything. Sure. It's all primitive. They open that back up. I might go hang out down there for a little bit. <laughs> At least I'll be out in nature. I don't know. I don't fucking, I'm going nuts. I'm here all alone. I've been home for six weeks and I live alone too. Yeah. But I have a, I can work from home for my job. So I, I'm able to, um, I'm, I'm busy 40 hours a week. Although yeah. I started taking a half a day off a week for my sanity. Because I work on medical associations, so it's all COVID-19, all day long, every day. So I don't get to get away from it. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. I had a job for like four days, and then I got fired because he said he didn't like my attitude. It was stupid. But um, <laughs> um, it, was, it was nice when I was working all day to have something to do in a time I had to be somewhere. These interviews are helping because I, I would actually just be sleeping all day today if I didn't have them. But I have interviews right up until I have an show tonight at eight. So, are you on Brooke's show? No, she wanted me to be, but I was already booked on a show. That first time ever in my comedy career that I got had to be like, double. No, I'm already on a show. I had two paying gigs cancel in March. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had a lot. I'm going to have to cancel my festival. I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe that was like a no brainer, but I was really trying to hold out. Um, but I got some decent inside information that the, the mayor of Denver is going to, even when they open it up in June, it's going to be limited to 50 or less until Labor Day, so all summer. And then it's supposed to have a resurgence in the fall. So comedy's pretty much canceled for the rest of the year in Denver, essentially. Um, live comedy or in-person comedy. Yeah, live comedy. You can never cancel online comedy, but yeah, live comedy, which is the whole reason I'm here. But I don't have anywhere to live in Wichita the only other place that makes sense for me to go and my rent is cheap. So I don't know what I'm going to fucking do. I just can't handle <sighs> my kids are in Wichita. There's nothing for me in Denver without comedy really. I mean, I have friends here, but not, not one yeah. to stick around for. I mean, I'll come back when there's comedy. That's why I'm here. Um, 
is for comedy. So if there's no comedy in Denver, there's no reason to live here. I mean, I like legal marijuana and everything, but. I'm coming to Chicago for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not coming to Chicago. I have, I have nowhere to be in Chicago. I have, I am, I'm getting my tax return back. So I want to buy a van and get it livable to be self-sustaining as much as possible. Um, solar panels are easy, but it's, it's water is the biggest thing to yeah. not rely on. And when I slept in my car and I lived in my SUV, I had planet fitness. So, but I mean, there's ways to collect rainwater and filter it and shit. Um, there are ways. Um, I was the co-owner of an RV of a used RV for, uh, six months. So oh, I yeah. know that we yeah. had to fill up the tank. We had to, um, deal with batteries. It was, it was a hot mess. Yeah. I'm not, I don't really want an RV because there is so many, it's, there's always things you got to, it's like owning a home, you know, I don't want to have all those pairs on top of worrying about an engine. It's um, kind of like owning a boat. Yeah. And a boat, my brother has a pontoon boat and he calls it a hole in the water that you pour money in. So, well, I mean, I've been studying for two or three years, like how to build out a van and um, minimally. And then I lived in my SUV for six or seven months, fairly happily. The only reason I stopped is because it got cold. But if I had a van um, and I even wanted to stay in Denver, it would be built out to handle the winter, you know, insulated and stuff because I would. I would build it from nothing. I want a big van with no windows, you know, like a, a creeper van. I'd actually rather have a black one than a white one, but. Yeah, the white ones are the ones you have to worry about. Well, I would put like the Art of Comedy logo and stuff on the side of it. It would, I wouldn't leave it bare. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if I do that, I mean, I can be anywhere I want to be. That's kind of the point of the van is that I, I can live wherever I want. Um, and if I don't like where I'm at, I can leave. And I know I have some friends that have property in Kansas, obviously, but also Montana, <clears throat> South Dakota, um, that own just like acres and acres out in the middle of nowhere. So if I was self-sufficient and could collect rainwater and could deal with that part of it, I could just go park somewhere on their fucking land out in the middle of nowhere, Montana and just hope I don't get murdered, but by some weirdo that lives out there too. Maybe that's where the love of my life is. Maybe I'll go to the van in Montana and there'll be some other dude living in his van in Montana. And then that's where he's at. And then you can build like a, a one of those plastic, um, like they have for on carports, one of those yeah. things over it. You can build that between, and then that can be a little outdoor area where you can you have sit a guest out. room, you know? You can, you have your own rooms. Yeah. You don't have to sleep in the same bed. Don't have to share the same bathroom. Well, yeah, because my van is not being built in any way to be prepared for more than me. It is being custom built for me and my needs only. I'm not factoring in another human being being in it more than for a short time. You know, I'm not... That right now I'm thinking about getting an RV and I had like to go live in and uh, I had was pretty sure I didn't want to do that, which is one of the reasons I moved back to Chicago. So 
Yeah, well, I was just telling my friend, if I'm going to have to spend all this time alone, I'd rather be doing it in nature than in the city. You know? And I'm a city girl from the from the get-go, so. I am a city girl, but I can't go enjoy the city, so what's the point? I might as well be out in nature. I, I'll feel less, I'll feel less anxious about being alone when I'm away from everybody. Cause like right now I have friends, but I can't go see them. I'm going back to Kansas for two weeks cause I am going insane. And um, my friend's also going insane, but I can't like, I'm going back to Kansas for two weeks, but I can't go see my mom. No. I mean, I'll, I'll see my kids because they're working and they're out and about, but I, I can't go see my mother. Um, I mean, I got, she'll, I'm sure she's got shit she'll give me and she'll put it out on her porch and I can see her through her, her door, her screen door, you know, her glass door, but I can't hug my mother. And it, my son lives two doors down and um, he can't come in. I can't let him come in. Yeah. He doesn't even try. Um, I live in an apartment building. So um, there's a little, I call it the breezeway. It's just like a walkway from my back door to a set of in, enclosed stairs to yeah. go down to get out. So um, I'll buy groceries, have them delivered. He'll come over, bring them up to my front door, leave them. I'll bring them inside, bring them to my kitchen, sort out what I bought for him, then put it out by the back door. <laughs> he comes up and gets it. And then he goes down and then I come out and I look down on like, like Juliet talking to Romeo. I'm up on the balcony and, uh, him and his, his roommates and some of his friends sometimes come over and we hang out, but yeah. that's the closest to human contact I'm getting. I don't have a dog. I don't have a cat. I don't have a lizard. I don't have a turtle. Well, I have my dog, but he's very unhappy without having more. He doesn't like just going outside and come back in and he needs other animals. So when I go, when I come back from Kansas, I'm leaving him there, which makes me very sad for me, but it's, yeah. he'll be happier there um, with the other animals and my son and, and stuff. And so to do what's best for my dog, I'm going to leave him in Kansas. So when I come back, I won't have him even. I had a boyfriend when this started and then we broke up because he's a, he can't be roasted. It was a he can't be roasted? Yeah, I roasted him a little and he got mad. Oh. We got in a yeah, fight and I left. That. But, you know, I think that's a personal growth because old Helen would have never left the one human contact she had remaining to go be alone. But I was like, I'd rather go be alone than deal with your stupid weak ass. <laughs> so there's some personal growth. There are worse things than being alone and being stuck with somebody that's pissing you off all the time is one of them. Yeah, there is. Like my third ex-husband. I was actually trying to think of one person that I could stand being here with me because I have roommates. So I'm just, I kind of have my room is mostly what I have, you know, who, what one person, friend or romantic or child, anybody would I want stuck here with me? And I can't think of one person that wouldn't drive me fucking insane. So yeah, <laughs> I'll deal with it. But I'm lucky that my apartment is big. I, I rented a two bedroom apartment when I moved back because my daughter comes to town a lot. I have other people that my sister comes to town a lot. All these people come to town a lot. Nobody's coming. 
Yeah, nobody can come. Nobody can come now. My sister stopped coming because her daughter got my my niece, um, who's 27, 28 now, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh no! August. So uh, my sister, she lives in D.C. So my sister went to D.C. to take care of her. For she lives in Kansas. She lives in Overland Park. Um, but yeah, so my sister doesn't come. My daughter can't come. My friends from Omaha, Brooke, and some a couple of comedians came and stayed with me in the yeah, Ollie and some of yeah, them. and uh, that other guy, just Justin. I don't remember that kid's name. I've never met him. Jordan? I'm not fond of him. No, neither am I. But he was kind of a douche. Yeah, they. I'm not fond of Ali anymore either. I'm not putting this part in the podcast. Um, yeah, they made her cry, be an asshole on the way up here because she was just trying to sing and stuff, and they were telling her she was a terrible singer, and and then she got upset and she cried, and they told her, you know, Ollie was telling her she's too sensitive, and then he like unfriended her on everything, and um they were just real assholes to her and and Brooke's my fucking Brooke's my girl she's one of my best friends and so anybody that fucks with Brooke is fucking with me and <laughs> I understand and she is a sweet sensitive girl and that's why she's amazing um because she does have a soft heart and yeah fucking dick to her um I've never made her cry it's not that hard um <laughs> You just got to be a nice person. What? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't like that kid either. He was a real, I think he was, like, hanging out with her to, like, use her, to, you know. And then once he used her to get to a level he wanted to be at, he fucking stopped being her friend. You know. Well, that's a douchey thing to do. Yeah, I didn't like him. Yeah, I don't, I've never met him, but I don't like him already. <laughs> I tried because Brooke was like, he's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. No, no, he's a dick. But most guys in their 20s are, so. She's just so nice and just wants to see the good in everybody. There's some, like Josiah, he's a young kid. He's not an asshole. Um, oh, no, they're not all assholes. He's a nice kid. I like that kid. And then, I don't know him. Yeah, he's in Lincoln. But, yeah, he's a nice kid. Some of them are good. I got like, I just, I just did an interview with one of my comedy babies. He's like 23. He's in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, I get very maternal about some of the comedians. Like, cause they are, they are, I am old enough to be their mother. So, or close to it. Yeah, I'm old enough to be a lot of people's mother. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's get. Probably to not yours, but. No, I'm 42. So I would have been a young mom, but so technically. Yeah, that's I'm the thing is like, I almost had a kid when I was 16. So these kids that are like 26, I am old enough to be their mother. And 28, I knew people that had kids at 14. So I know people that have 28, that are my age and have 28 year old children. I know people that are my age and have multiple grandchildren by their 28 yeah. year old children. And I'm, uh, I don't have any kids, uh, grandkids. I have kids, no grandkids. Yeah. I don't have any grandkids yet. I'm terrified that I'm going to end up with one out of this fucking Corona bullshit. Well, my son, my younger son, or sorry, my older son is moving 
in June in with his girlfriend in Wichita. He lives with his dad right now. Um, and she doesn't want to live there with his dad because his dad's a fucking idiot and I don't blame her. Um, so who fucking knows there? And then my younger daughter, you know, she's 21 and she's been living with her boyfriend for a while, but she's smart. Um, at least if my, if my younger daughter got pregnant right now, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, she's, she, she, I, she wouldn't need me to take care of, it wouldn't be my responsibility. I'd be able to actually just be a grandma to the kid, but my, my son, they have a baby. They're not equipped to take care of it properly, like financially or anything. So I don't even want my grandchildren to call me grandma. I want them to call me Helen. <laughs> because grandma denotes more responsibility than I'm going to have in their lives. Oh, yeah. In my family, grandma means uh, the person who makes you cookies and tells you not to tell your dad um, so it doesn't spoil your dinner. My grandma used to live upstairs of us when I was little, and uh, uh, we lived in a two-flat, and I would go upstairs after school, and she would make me really weak tea and give me cookies. And then she said I had to eat my whole dinner, because if my dad found out that she was giving me cookies, he wouldn't let me come upstairs anymore. Well, my, my, my dad's mom, I don't know a lot about my mom's side, but on my dad's side, my dad's mom basically raised my cousin because my aunt was 15. And then my mom, for my children, has been... Like my pants, by the way. Helpful. Oh, yeah. I have a... I, I don't care today. I have a tank top and a robe on. I don't have any makeup. This is my favorite shirt to do comedy in. Yeah. Wonder, Wonder Woman. I think I've seen that one before. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care today. I'm not using the video probably anyway, so I don't give a shit today. I'm not... Oh, yeah, because I just... Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess I knew deep down I was going to have to cancel the festival, but I still had like this hope inside me that maybe it would get to happen. But well, maybe use the videos for um, fundraising. Yeah. I am. Uh, comedy's canceled though for the, for a few months, but there's all kinds of stuff going on. The end of the year in Denver anyway, there's no way they're completely reopening Kansas before then. I was just talking. Yeah, Denver to has more sense. Yeah, in Chicago we have uh, we have Lori Lightfoot, who I adore. Um, she's sometimes my background. It's hard to see her though. There oh, she yeah. is. Oh, I forgot to turn that off. I love her. I um I don't I don't um what was I gonna say. Yeah, there's no reason to be here if I can't go do comedy. I can do online comedy from where anywhere. Yeah. Why be here um, all alone? At least in Kansas, I have some people I can see safely, you know, and I'm not really that concerned with getting it. I'm concerned with giving it to somebody that shouldn't get it. Um, I'm one of the people who shouldn't get it. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for many reasons. I have asthma and diabetes, and yeah. um, uh, I, I, everything. I, 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 I got a cold in May, and I coughed until the middle of July. I got a cold New Year's Eve, and I coughed for the entire month of January. So if I get this, it'll kill me. And then your age, too. Not that you're old, old, but 
you're oh, older. You're I'm old. Yeah, that's old enough to care to be I'm right on the edge of the. Uh, I'm it sixty. Could have been my mom then. I had a kid at eighteen. That's what I said, but yeah. I did. I was. I wasn't. Yeah. I was, I was 28 when I, or almost 28 when I had my first kid. So smart, smart. I don't know. There's a, there's a benefit to having them young and now I'm done. Well, I'm not done. Obviously you're never done, but. Right. No, I know what you mean. To move. Done enough to leave. I just don't want to get stuck back in Kansas. It's like my worst fucking nightmare. Uh, yeah, I might go and I might end up living in my sister's basement in Overland park, but. Overland yeah. Park's not too bad. No, it's not. I mean, it's a little white bread for me. Um, yeah, but, but Kansas City's close, and it's not Wichita. There's No. I accidentally drove through Wichita once. I was coming back from my sister's. <laughs> when I was living in Omaha, I used to go down and visit her, and uh, I went down, like, Easter weekend or Mother's Day weekend, and remember 29 was closed for a while because of the flooding? Yeah. So I had to take, like, side roads, and uh, instead of getting on 29 and just driving straight north. So I followed the GPS and it took me to a uh, tollway instead of, and I, I was like, I'm not getting yeah, on a tollway. So yeah. I just started driving and knew it, if I went far enough, it would direct me and all of a sudden I was in Wichita. Wow. So uh, that was not fun. Yeah, there's, I love the people in Wichita, but I have no desire to live there. There's not, there's just nothing there for me besides the people. There's no future for me in Wichita. There's no future in comedy for me. There's nothing for me there. I had a great aunt who was a nun who's, who lived, she was from Ireland, but she lived in uh, Wichita her whole adult life. Sister Matthew. Yeah. I mean, it's a great place if you want like a slow life and it's, it's not a bad place to raise kids and I mean, it's relatively safe and the cost of living is low and, um, you know, there are pretty decent jobs there. You can have a pretty good life there if that's what you're into. Um, it was a good place to raise my kids. I wouldn't have been able to afford to do it here. I tried. We tried to move here when they were in middle school and I couldn't afford it. So it's a good, it has, it, it serves its purpose. I know plenty of people that love it there. And, you know, good for them, but <laughs> not one of them. So, but, um, so how long, how long have you been, it's kind of how I start things out here. Well, first, like, are you familiar with what the nonprofit is actually planning to do? Um, funding uh, classes for, comedy classes, I think, for uh, youth. Women, youth. women and the LGBTQ community and then troubled youth, yeah. Um, starting with women because that's what I am first and then um and then I added on the queer community and then troubled youth um yeah that's what we're trying to do you're the you're the first person that's really um known that um <laughs> I read I know I work in nonprofit, so yeah. I have attention to that yeah cool um so yeah like what how long have you been doing you did more um, than just stand up. So, I mean, but like. I started doing improv in, uh, I started taking classes when I was living in Omaha in 2017. So about three years ago, I started doing improv. And then, um, uh, you know, they have all the levels of classes. And I went through like uh, six 
it's, you graduate at level five, I took level six. But one of the guys in, um, in my improv class, we were, at a, we were just at a practice one day and he said, uh, and we were just hanging around talking and he said, you should do stand up to me. And I'm like, Be why? And he said, because there aren't enough women in stand up and you're really funny. Oh, that's great. Whoever yeah. he is. So he's Good an on awesome. Him. Pardon me? Who is he? His name is Carl. Oh. Carl Hauser. I don't think I know. He's uh, Brooke and uh, our friend Brooke and uh, Carl and I were all in the same improv classes together. Yeah. That's how I met, I met them. So um, I, I was still trying to learn improv. So um, I said I would look into it after I finished that course of study, which is about a year long. So um, I did that. And um, then there was a workshop that a woman, uh, Aubrey Sweeney. Yeah. Know her. yeah. Um, she lives she, in an RV. Yeah, she does. Um, she, uh, she was doing a work, she did a workshop and I didn't really understand what workshopping meant when I started, but, um, the first night she was like, all right, here's all the basics you know, need to know about comedy to get started. And she, um, you know, and then, She's like, what, what jokes do you have to work on? And I, I didn't have anything ready to work on, but I started talking and um, taking notes. And that's how I started. And six weeks later, I was on stage. And it was the most awesome feeling. Um, improv is, for me, pain, super painful. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. you're you're right. Basically, you're writing, acting, um, and trying to read somebody else's mind all at the same time, and it's a lot. Yeah. And, um, if you don't have a good connection with the other people you're doing improv with, it doesn't work very well. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like improv has certain levels. Like you're okay, you're bad, then you're okay, and then you're great. Um, but it kind of jumps and I was at the okay and it, you know, it's not fun not to get laughs, but on the other hand, it, it made me, um, super comfortable on stage. Um, and it made me, um, it made me know that not getting a laugh while uncomfortable will not kill you. Yeah. So if something bombs, you know you make a joke out of that or whatever, but yeah, I imagine that it has to help with, look, I've thought about taking improv classes just to kind of get better at being off the cuff, getting more relaxed on stage. Um, being like crowd work. I think it would help um, with crowd work and stuff like that. So I, I see the benefits of at least, you know, taking some classes and stuff in it. Um, I did try out for a troop here and I, the two times I was the funniest was when I was up there by myself because I'll just, I'll just yield to the other people and won't push myself in there. And then, yeah, the whole, yeah. like I could probably do really good improv with like Brooke because probably. her and I know each other so well. Um, but yeah, it's hard to be, yeah, you have to 
yeah, there's all these personalities that need to work together and stand up. I like because it's just me. So two things um, that I thought of while you were talking about this, when um, Carl and Brooke and I took level one at a different school, we did like levels one through six at the backline theater in Omaha. And then there's this other school, um, big canvas in mm -hmm. Omaha. And uh, we took, I only took levels one and two because uh, frankly, there was somebody in one of the classes who just drove me nuts and I didn't want them. I didn't want to be around them anymore. So I stopped going and I wasn't that into improv anyhow anymore. I was more, wanted to focus more on, um, on doing stand up. But um, we were, we were in a, we were in this one class, um, one session and the, um, the teacher had us just like pant basically pantomiming things. We weren't using words. We knew what the location was or the like one thing about it, but there were no words. And we were supposed to guess what our partner was doing or what they were acting out. And Carl and Brooke and I, who at that point had known each other for about a year and a half and had been doing improv together one way or another for a year and a half, we each knew exactly what the other ones were doing because we know them so well. We know their body language and we know how they think. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, which is a great way to, one of the great things about improv is that mind meld and everybody getting on the same page really fast. But it takes a lot of work to get there. With stand-up, I always think of it as comparing, um, like improv is like volleyball. There's five or six people on the team. Everybody takes a turn being, you know, serving the ball. Everybody has a place on the court. Everybody plays a role. Sometimes you step back. Sometimes people step forward. And it's a team. And stand-up is golf. It's you. It's on you. If you screw it up, if you bomb, it's all on you. And um, I like that. I like I, I like both. I like both for different reasons, but I prefer stand-up mostly because you get to rehearse and you get to try the same thing over and over again until you get it right. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, so what led you to start to, what made you decide to go take the classes? Um, so I moved, right. I, in 2013, I had a whole bunch of deaths in my family in a six month period. I went to six funerals and I picked out or planned the funerals for four of, for four of them. Uh. Um, it was a tough six months and I got into this um, headspace of I'm going to die someday and if I don't start living now, um, it's going to be a waste. So I decided to move to Omaha um, because I didn't have to quit my job and I had people I wanted to be with uh, live with in Omaha. So I went and did that. And um, about four months before I moved, I went by chance to this, um, this event in Chicago called an idea potluck. And it was really fun. And she had the woman who organized it had these people who would come up and give like a six minute presentation on something. Um, the reason I knew about it was a friend of mine, who's a columnist for a newspaper in Chicago, was reading, uh, he does a tweet of the week contest or survey where he just like get, he finds tweets all week long and then he like 
puts the 10 or 15 funniest ones he thinks, and then he has people vote on it. It's just silly. So he was going to be there to read tweets. So um, it was like $5. So I went and at the end of it, um, the organizer was like, um, and some of her friends who were there, she's like, I took all my classes at IO, um, which used to be called Improv Olympics. And um, the name of her company, uh, well, uh, her, her company's slogan is Life of Yes. And I just liked that philosophy. So I decided I wanted to take improv, but um, since I was moving, I waited until I moved. And it's about half the cost in Omaha, is it? Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, I've taken a class at IO and it was 350 or yeah, it was $350 for eight weeks. Now it was an outstanding class and mm -hmm. I learned more, I think in the, those eight weeks than I did in all my time in Omaha X, which isn't entirely fair, but because I knew a lot of it already, it was because I'd been, ex been doing it or had been exposed to it. It's just, IO is amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like a next level, like for sure. It's if you're, it's for people that are serious about it. <laughs> um, and and I don't want to say a single bad thing about um, the backline. The backline, no, is my comedy home. Um, it's where I did my first improv. It's where I did my first stand up. It's an amazing. It's my favorite place in Omaha. Um, yeah, for sure. I love the backline. I felt. I felt like it was like a home away from home there. Um, and right now during the pandemic, they're doing a lot of shows online. They're doing yeah, their I did their mic. Um, I've done their mic a couple of times, and but they do shows on Friday and Saturday nights and I've been going to them. And I've been sending them, you know, donations through Patreon and that stuff, find t-shirts and shit. Yeah, if I was still working, I totally would. Yeah, I'm in a position to, you know, I, all I'm paying are my bill, you know, I'm buying groceries. Um, I haven't had to put gas in my car. I haven't had to, you know, I haven't eaten out. I haven't ordered in. I just groceries, prescriptions. It's amazing how little I can live off of. Yeah. When I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Well, one of my kids is um, unemployed. Oh. So I have been conserving my money just in case he needs help. Oh. So, because, you know, he's a grown man, but. You're still a mom, man. That's what I was saying. It never I, ends. I'm still a mom, and he's a bartender and server. So um, the chances of him going back to work maybe this year are very slim. Uh, on the other hand, his brother is the GM of the restaurant where my son works, oh, man. Worked, and he's working 70 hours a week and yelling at Grubhub drivers for coming in the door when he, there's a big sign out in front that says, don't walk in the fucking door. So I yeah, want to go. Because they're paying him salary and they can do that. Well, the Grubhub drivers can't do that. Well, no, I mean his work. Like it makes right. sense to have his employees there. I mean, if he chose to quit, I guess, you know, the restaurant would have to close, but he's trying to save 50 jobs, including his brothers and two of his best friends. So he's my daughter works at the Buelos in Wichita and she's still working the to go stuff. And she's the only 
server type person there um, that's working. There's like a couple cooks, there's her and there's a manager or something like that. And then my older son uh, is working at Sonic, which Sonic's set up to not have a lot of contact. So right. have, it's just the drive throughs since they have the drive throughs now. Um, and then, so he's been working, but he got a job at making, he got a job making, um, I don't know, some manufacturing place. And then my youngest kid was working at Applebee's as a busser or host or something. And so they're not working, but they're a senior in high school and they don't have, yeah, they, don't, they don't have to work. Um, so yeah, I, I worked all through high school, but I would work in the summer or I would work during the school year and save and then not work all summer, which was the opposite of what most people did. I worked all year round from 15 until last Tuesday. No, I, I'm still working. I've never liked working. Um, <laughs> it's not that I'm lazy. Um, I just don't like being, I like, don't like being told what to do. I can see that about you. So bad. It's so bad. I hate being controlled. That's the only reason I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic. Like I've dabbled. I'm, I, you know, 99 was a crazy year, but when push comes to shove, I just quit. Whenever I feel like something has control over me, I just stop doing it. And I feel like shit for a while, except nicotine. I got the vape. Um, yeah, it'll kill you forever. That'll keep you forever. I haven't yeah. smoked in 20 years. So yeah, vaping I know is not safe, but I think it's safer than cigarettes, but it also doesn't stink, you know, even if it's not safer, it doesn't smell and it's not. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel, I don't feel like when I smoke cigarettes, I feel sick and it makes me cough and it makes me, I feel like the, I used to get cigarette hangovers. Yeah. I'd be out for a long time, not even drinking at all. And the next day I'd feel awful. Yeah. I mean, when I go out, when I used to drink, I mean, I wouldn't even be hung over from the alcohol, but I, my lungs would, cause I'd smoke like a pack or two in a night, just change, especially when we could smoke inside the bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I love telling people about my, um, how I could smoke inside and how cheap cigarettes were when it was 45 cents a pack. Yeah. And, um, I, you could smoke inside and I had a job as a bank teller and I used to smoke at the bank tell, at the teller window and I, I worked for a lawyer and I would, you know, answer like phone. in admin. Just, yeah. The doctor all, like, all the time. And then, um, and then all of a sudden it was like, you had to go outside like a dog and stand outside to smoke. And that was weird to me. Yeah. Um, it um, but, smells though. I, I'm, I'm glad I don't smell like that. Cause I smell smokers now that I don't smoke. And I'm like, Oh my God, did I smell like that? I smoked three packs a day at one point because you could smoke everywhere except for on buses and in theaters. Yeah. So I, yeah, I smoke so much, but I could feel it in the vape. It doesn't matter how much I vape. I don't, I don't feel any immediate ramifications of it. So, I mean, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's obviously because we're not supposed to put anything in our lungs that are not oxygen. I say this to my friends, my friends give me shit about vaping that are big ass fucking pot smokers. You know, they're smoking flour right and left. And I'm like, you're not supposed to put that in your fucking lungs either. You know that, right? Like nothing is supposed to go in your lungs except oxygen. That's all they're meant to handle. Anything else causes damage. So, you know, 
But I'm I'm happy to live in a recreational state where you can buy really nice and delicious edibles. Me too. That's one big thing. That's actually a factor for me deciding that I can't go live in Kansas because I can get weed in Kansas. Not a problem. I can get some edibles there, but not the ones I want. I can't walk into a pot store and get exactly what I want. Those chocolate Kiva bars. Those Kiva Chiba Chews. I, I like the, the raspberry dark chocolate ones. And I love, there's these, um, uh, there's these grapefruit gummies that I just, they're just. I love it because it's predictable. I can take it and know what's going to happen. Like I can take it and know that if I have to perform comedy, I'll be okay in three hours. Or if I get too high, like, a moment of being too high on an edible, I'm like, I know I'm going to be fine in 30 minutes. I know I'm going to be okay. And the sativa chiba chews just make me just positive. Like I was, <laughs> I was uh, in a Walmart and saw um, a dude that couldn't, he, he was an older guy and he didn't have his glasses. And he asked another older guy who did have his glasses in his pocket which color, because you know they're color coded, which color extra large was. And the other guy put his glasses on was like purple. And he was like, thanks, man. And I like teared up because I was like, that's so beautiful. Humanity is supporting each other. And that's <laughs> that's the kind of positivity that that like I'm just like everything is better. And even if I'm not actually high on them at the time. Um, it just helps my attitude be more positive. Like when I first moved back, like I tried to move out here years ago and I went back to Kansas. It was a nightmare. It was a, I went on a well-publicized vacation is what it ended up being. But when I moved back, I moved in with, uh, a guy I was dating, Caden. And so for the first two weeks, I, I had lots of edibles with me. So I had those edibles. And then I remember like two months later when we were breaking up, he was like, when you first moved here, you were different, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, right. I had I had my sativa chiba chews. He's like, oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. They make a big difference for me. I don't have any now. I need to go get some for you. I hear it helps with anger. And that's my personal experience. And please don't put that in your video. Yesterday, don't put this in your video either. My therapist um, told told me, I've been doing, right before this started, um, my last in-person therapy appointment was, I think it's time for you to quit coming here. I think you are doing fine. And, you know, let's next appointment, let's talk about you not coming anymore. And um, we'll work out a plan for that. And then I, um, so we had a call, we had an appointment set up and it was like March 18th. Maybe it was March 25th, Um, but it was in March. And I had been home for several days. I put myself in quarantine on March 13th. Yeah. So uh, um, they shut down the restaurants in Illinois on the 15th or 16th. And then uh, they shut down the city, the, the state a week after that. But I was already not going out anymore. Yeah, my mom did that too. Because of my asthma. I just, what was I fucking waiting for to get... So um, my next meet appointment with him, I just sent him an email. I'm like, let's just do it at the same time by phone. And he's like, no problem. And I got on that call and I'm like, I have three major um, emotions right now. Terror, um, rage, 
and uh, and maybe it was just two. It was <laughs> oh, and sorrow. It was just like it was not like I'm a little nervous. I'm a little angry. I'm sad. No, it was like the extremes of all three, and I was rotating through all three. Spinning of them. out. That's what I call that. And he said. He said, uh, I said, I just, after this call, I'm just going to go eat an edible and lay down. And he said, everybody needs to just drink or do we take weed, eat edibles, smoke as much as they can just to get through the next couple of months. And then yesterday I had another call with him and uh, uh, I was just getting pissed off about everything all the time. And he's like, you really need to be getting high more often. It's going to help you. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. So I have a note from my doctor. And my hairdresser gave me a note that I can trim my own bangs. Because they don't look too bad, right? I mean, you can see them. I did my own hair. I can see. And it looks lovely. <laughs> I uh, I think I'm going to keep it. I got my hair cut at the end of uh, March. And she put layers in. And I'm growing it out anyhow. So, yeah. But I trim my own bangs. She I, said uh, that I did a good job, so... Yeah, my friend's been, you know, smoking too many cigarettes and drinking too much. And I was talking to her, the friend I'm going to stay with. And I was like, look, man, just do whatever you need to get through. Okay, like deal with it later. We'll deal with it in a few months. We'll get your drinking back under control and your smoking back down to a normal level. Because she's working from home and she smokes in her house. So, and um, I was like, just you know, do, cause she has mental health issues too. So I'm like, right now you just need to do what you need to do to survive mentally. Um, so whatever makes you feel better right now, that is not immediately going to endanger yourself. I've had issues with depression since I was a teenager, um, uh, on and off. And, um, I have had anxiety issues, particularly since 2013 when everybody uh, my mother was sick. My niece, my baby niece died. I just, I wasn't functioning very well. So oh, that's a lot of trauma to happen in six months. That many people die. Absolutely. It, um, it, my it, mother was, um, it changes the chemistry of your brain forever when you go yeah. through something that traumatic. It, yeah, I know. I don't feel, um, my mother was, a, a very healthy person. She was 76 years old and she babysat for um, a 14 month old baby and she did all of her own shopping and she used to, she booked her vacations online and she just, you know, she did everything. She was super active and then uh, she was diagnosed with cancer and then in October and by the end of January she was either in the hospital or a nursing home for the next four and a half months and then she died. And nine weeks before she died, my 18 month old niece died. So between those two things, I was a fucking disaster. I just, my mother's illness and then her incredible decline. Yeah. A short period yeah. of time, was it was extremely traumatizing. So how do you feel, cause you know, the point of the nonprofit is to help people um, you know, it doesn't have to be domestic violence or sexual assault victims, but any, any woman or queer person or troubled youth. Um, but just like, how do you think that improv helped you and then stand up helped you? I'd really be interested to see, because I've talked to a lot of comedians. I have not talked to a lot of people that were really into improv that deeply. 
Um, but how do you think that it helped you recover from that? Well, um, I'm also a, a domestic violence, uh, violence isn't the exact right word, uh, an, uh, an abuse survivor. Um, yeah. It was everything but the punching. Yeah, I, me too. I, you don't start at hitting, you degrade a person over a period of time and then you hit them. Um, but I don't, know if, I don't think mine ever would have gotten to hitting, but it was a lot of verbal and emotional abuse and he would break things around me. Yeah. Like, uh, like smash tables and break holes in doors and... He used to throw things at me sometimes too. Yeah. But never, um, yeah, never made contact. Um, so I always dealt with, you know, my family, I come from a family where we make jokes about everything. Um, Me too. My, my dad was in home hospice and he used to, um, my, one of my brothers used to say, it's Smothers Day. And my dad would laugh his ass off about it. So, um, <laughs> and I used to tell him when he would be, you know, he'd say something rude to me and I'd be like, you know, I can put you in a home. We can, you, I can do that. I have that power as your daughter right now. So um, uh, we just made jokes about things and it, it helped, it, it just helped in general. And with improv, I found it just getting out of my own head and um, doing something that was scary, but not scary. And honestly, um, I was really nervous about doing improv and, or performing, and I was just going to take the classes. And one of my beautiful children, I was talking to him on the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm not going on stage. And he was like, you're in Omaha, Ma. Who gives a shit what people think? And I was just like, oh, yeah. I, the only people who know me here love me or are in my class. <laughs> so, so I did it and I, and it was fun and getting the laugh just, it was just such a relief and there's a sense of being accepted for your goofy self. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's a tribe like, cause comedians and I'm sure improv people, it's all the same, but yeah, they're all these like broken misfits that. There's you, a lot of that. Yeah. You feel, you don't feel like a freak anymore. You don't feel like a weirdo um, because you meet all these other people that think like you or think maybe not exactly, you know what I mean? But you feel like the sense of community that I feel with comedians, even ones that don't, that I've never met, even ones that don't um, live here or that, you know, just, yeah, you're in, you belong to this group, to this special club. Yeah. And with stand up. Um, I make jokes about stuff that I can make jokes about because I am me and that guy over there cannot make a domestic violence joke, but I can. And when it bombs, uh, and sometimes it does because it makes people, it can make people really uncomfortable. And I don't have that many jokes about it yet because I haven't been doing comedy that long, about 18 months, maybe more, a little more than that at this point. But I have this one joke, and when it bombs, I just look at the audience and I go, come on, domestic violence is funny. You all laugh about it. And then yeah. I get a laugh. I think I've seen you do that joke. It's a great joke. I love that joke. I started doing it just a couple months before I left Omaha. Yeah, I love... Um... I, even if I don't use the material, I love 
the the writing the material about something is an accomplishment to be able to find a kernel of something funny and something the worst thing that's ever happened to you is very therapeutic yeah it is and There's something, it's a way to tell the truth about some things that people are really uncomfortable hearing um, and making them laugh about it, but also acknowledge that it's, that it's true. I do a joke about white privilege um, and uh, which you may have heard me do. Um, basically, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged suburban white woman and that means I can do whatever the fuck I want because middle-aged women are invisible and we have nothing to lose and cops won't taser you if you look like their mom. Yeah, I've heard that. And I've yelled at cops and they have apologized to me. And I don't recommend that people do that. And they, if you, you know who you are, if you shouldn't do that. And it usually gets a pretty good laugh, especially from black people because they know that's who I'm talking about. They know that I'm telling the truth and it's not that many white people who just say, I know this, this is, I'm acknowledging that I have privilege, that you are in danger and I don't want you to be in danger. And it's funny because it's true and it's not funny because it's true. Dealing with the police is like one of the few places I feel like I have female privilege. So I have like female white privilege. Yeah, you do. Oh, officer, I didn't <laughs> to run that red light. I wasn't, I didn't know it was speeding. I did the I same thing with my principal. I was cute. I was, I was thin. I haven't always been a big chub. Yeah. I was, you know, 115 pounds when I was 20. And yeah. I got pulled over by the cops and I'm like, oh, officer, I'm sorry. And they were like, oh, sweetie, just be careful. I did it to my high school principal and my cousin, Michael, cause we have the same last name, had the same assistant principal and he didn't get away with shit. And I would just go into Mr. Dieterding's office and be like, but Mr. Dieterding, I couldn't go to detention cause blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, well, go I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you. I had my period. You know how girls are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've used it and it's, technically wrong but you know what i don't feel bad it. using the feminine wiles um i don't think i've ever in intentionally used the white you know like in my head thought i'm white i'm gonna use it but i have definitely definitely used the fact that i'm a female i'm exactly I, I, I honestly um i i think i can say the same exact thing i've never intentionally used i'm white to get out of something but I've realized in the last few years, I get out of stuff because I'm white. I don't even get accused of stuff because I'm white. Yeah, because as a, a woman of color, still get shit from the cops. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's not going to work. Right. And and I, you know, I was, I was older when I realized that. But we also weren't talking about that shit. Yeah. So you know, and I, I have. I do, a, I have a rape joke that I do. I have a racism joke, I have a domestic violence joke that I do. And they all, um, you know, I, I think make comedy and entertainment plays a very important role in getting those subjects out discussed. there and discussed. Um, and that's another reason why that's like a, 
a grander goal of the nonprofit is to get more voices in comedy um, talking about their lives so that you hear more voices and you hear, you know, these things and it, it, it keeps it on people's minds. Um, yeah, so I think comedy plays a huge role in, in changing social structures. I think it does. And I think that, uh, no, I have, I have one joke. I have a joke that I don't do very often that I love doing, but I, I only do it when the audience is the right mix of people. Um, it can't be all women and it can't be mostly, it, there have to be women in the audience enough to uh, enjoy the, uh, discomfort that I'm causing the guys because yeah. talk about your mother masturbates. Yeah. And you have that, to, you have to read the audience for sure. Um, getting that, those guys to squirm like that. I mean, I wrote the joke on purpose cause I was sick of dick jokes. Yeah. Don't tell me about your fucking dick. Nobody cares. Well, you know, and people don't people like, just because you're 60 doesn't mean you're not a sexual being anymore. And people want to, especially, I don't think people think about that for a man. They, they wouldn't be shocked that a 60 year old man is sexually active. You know, they don't give a shit if their dad's sexually active um, or their grandfather, but yeah. Yeah. 60 year old women are still sexual beings. They do still care about that and have needs and, um, yeah, I think that's an amazing thing to make a joke about because awesome. And they 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 squirm. They just they hate it. They laugh because they're shocked, and the women are laughing because they know it's true, and they're enjoying the guys dying as much as as anything I'm saying. So um, yeah, <laughs> I uh, I love making I love making men squirm, but. Um, I do a women's, I do an open mic on Tuesdays and they're doing it online. Thank God. Yeah. Um, started in November. It's, um, women's and non-binary. Yeah. You um, shared it with me. I just haven't. Yeah. It's, it's a great mic. To it. Um, and it's really diverse in, um, it's, it is mostly women and, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of lesbians on the call usually uh, at the mic usually or bisexual women and there's a lot of straight up talk about it. There's a lot of talk about how, what jerks guys can be. Um, the producer is a guy who's awesome. Um, it's like my kind of crowd. It's um, an awesome group and it's super supportive. And, um, and uh, what I, and as an online mic, you can hear people laughing. They don't turn, they don't mute everybody. Cool is the problem with a lot of the online mics is they mute everybody because they think you won't be able to, you know, you can't hear things, but. Well, um, if, as long as you don't have idiots on there making a lot of noise, like as long as you have people on there that are smart enough to mute themselves when they need to. And, and you can, and the host can mute the, you know, people, if somebody gets disruptive, you can mute them. Mute oh yeah. Them. Cool. So. That means you have a good host too. Yeah. You have to have somebody paying attention. Um, yeah. But. Uh, and it's a skill that people are learning. Um, I was on a at, a, at a show on Twitch last night and there were people who were being disruptive in just the comments and they all got kicked out. Hmm. And 
which was, you know, it's real easy. Pardon me. It's easy to kick people out then. Yeah. You don't have so, to disrupt it was, it the show. Awesome. The, the woman, the, the, the theater's person who was running the show apologized that it took so long to do it. And everybody was like, you're, you know, everybody's learning this. You're just learning this now. So I like that kind of supportive. Yeah. Now, I visited Chicago once. I did like it up there. I have, this isn't going to be in the podcast. I have a long-term, what's turned into a long-term sexting friend in Chicago. He's a comedian. Oh, nice. It didn't start out that way. We were just friends um, talking about comedy and sharing memes. And then it just kind of happened to turn to sexting. And we kept making plans to actually meet, but I can't, I can't go like his roommate doesn't like people over. So I can't go stay with him if I go up there. And then, you know, so we just never had a chance to, he was going to come here, but then the whole COVID thing started and I got, I got a boyfriend in the end of January. He was going to come here at the early part of February, maybe for Valentine's. And then I got a boyfriend. And so, um, yeah, we've been, the world's coming to an end. Yeah, I know. And so we've been, you know, I'd say, sexting since last July so it's and then I get boyfriends and I'm like hey I got a boyfriend and we're like he's like oh well good luck you know and then we'll still talk about comedy or whatever and how you doing and then like you know two to six weeks later I'm like hey I'm single again game on and it's like it's like car you know game <laughs> on you know and uh I would like to come visit him <laughs> in Chicago at some point um nice for you but yeah, that's one of the things about this stupid virus. Um, last summer, uh, my friend Carl and another guy, this guy Fred, who I was on an improv team with, they came to they came and stayed with me for five weeks. Um, because I have the second bedroom and yeah. a separate bathroom. So um they came and stayed with me and they did a five week intensive at uh IO. Um oh. they they went through the whole their whole five levels of improv classes in a month. Cool. And um, it was awesome being able to have people come and stay with me. And now I just, uh, I'm, yeah, I was going to come stay with you. Yeah. But and nobody's, I, I had an inter, a girl who was going to do an internship in Chicago, one of my daughter's friends from Detroit, and she was going to come stay for the, the summer. And she's, I, she can't. I can't let anybody in here. I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. with somebody going in and out of my place. Not until there's a vaccine and you can get it, you an, know. An effective treatment or a vaccine. And we're nowhere near either of them. So. Even an effective treatment, I would be scared in your case, because it's like you're yeah. still at the at risk. An effective treatment. I still have asthma. Me. Yeah. I still have asthma. And that's, that's why the, treatment for me may not be effective enough for you. Right. Yeah. See, I have, um, you know, I, we were talking about at a weed before I would prefer to smoke um, because you, you know, you get high immediately. Yeah. <laughs> With the edible, it's like, Oh yeah, you took that. There was one day I forgot that I had eaten the little, little gummy and I sat down at my, on a Sunday and I started working. Yeah. And then I was writing in emails and answering shit. And then all of a sudden I realized, Oh no, I'm getting high. I can't send an email. Don't send an email. Turn off the computer. Turn off the computer. I just want to, no, turn off the computer because you're going to say something stupid. When I wasn't eating edibles regularly, 
I would, I'd say half the time forget that I'd eaten at least half the time, maybe more. I'd forget that I ate the edible and I'd start to feel really high and I'd be like, whoa, I feel weird. Why do I feel so? And I'd panic for a second and then I'd be like, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's why. I ate an edible. Yeah. It, um, it takes like an hour and you forget. Yeah, you can forget. I like um, to smoke a little weed. I like to eat the edible and smoke just a little weed. And then, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. That would be my, that would be my ideal, but I'm not smoking anything. No, no. I have some weed that I was given to me for free. It's not the best shit, but it's better than nothing. And I need to get edibles before I go out of town. But my friend has, my friend, uh, she has like a son that lives with her and they're both potheads. So I'll have weed around for the next two weeks. And then I don't, it's just, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And I can't even make any long-term plans because I don't know. I, I can't even like, like I have the next two weeks planned. And then after that, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, nobody, Helen, can, can do anything right now. We, nobody can make plans. Nobody who's taking this seriously is making plans. Yeah. I, I work with five different associations at my job and four of them are medical or One's um, oncology social workers, and um, the others are medical societies of different kinds. And um, the fifth one is something else. But they all had conferences planned. They had conventions planned with hundreds of people supposed to come. But they're, you know, they're doctors, and they work with cancer patients, and they can't be in a, you know, and then I have, so three of them have already canceled seven events between the beginning of March, the middle of March and uh, July. And then I have a fourth client that has a conference in November. I don't know if it's going to be on. I have to act like it is and plan, and plan that it isn't. And it's in downtown Chicago and I'm not going. I honestly think that canceling my festival will relieve a lot of my anxiety. And if, I'll just, if I cancel a festival and I just get myself into a place of acceptance that there's no comedy for the, for the rest of the year. Um, and if it comes back, then great. If, if it happens sooner then then cool, that'll be a bonus. But you know, if I just accept it, that there's not going to be any live comedy until at least the end of the year. Um, I'll, I will, it'll, it'll it, eventually, once I accept it and get over my, you know, go through my stages of grief here, um, I'll be okay. You know, I'll be okay. I, I'm going to submit to your, to, to well, your... they already submitted the, the submissions closed, you know, before. So. Right. Well, I had planned on submitting yeah. and with the thing I stopped. Yeah. And the same with, I submitted to Omaha comedy fest. Um, uh, for stand-up and um, it's just I really want I'm gonna have it next year but I really want to have it in the summer so I'm just I'm just scrapping 2020 I'm just gonna scrap it and um, it's really the best thing to do at this focus point. Focus on other things besides stand-up um, I started writing a screenplay um, and I'm trying to learn how to how to do that and you know um, I used to want to be a writer and 
I was like, well, I just don't have time to really sit and think about, so I need to be able to think. And so once I go through my stages of grief and just accept it, um, and my, cause when this first happened, I just spun out for like three weeks and I got the job and I got fired and my brain just wasn't thinking I couldn't, you know, I just, it was a fog and I couldn't think. And that's kind of where I'm getting to right now. Cause I'm just like, Meh. so I'm starting to spiral a little again. So once I get, once I finally just accept it and get adjusted again to the fact that comedy's canceled for the rest of the year, um, my brain will start working again and I'll have to have a creative outlet. So I yeah. might as well start trying to do those writing things I've always wanted to do or learn to play the cello. I've always wanted to learn to play the cello. You can get yourself a cello. Yep. There's YouTube. There's tutorials. I'm getting um, tax return back. I'm just trying to like find some other creative outlets that don't rely on other people that I can do regardless of whether I have other humans or not. Yeah. I, um, I should send you a link to her. Um, one of the, she's one of the hosts and, um, a comedian that I know in Chicago is doing these hilarious, um, she's doing videos almost every day by yeah. herself. And she's having, you know, she's doing, uh, she did a Tiger King one that was fucking hilarious. I mean, her yesterday, what, the one that she did yesterday was how to eat pussy, five steps for learning how to eat pussy. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know, advice from a lesbian on how to eat pussy. It, who better? Who better to teach anybody? Definitely. And the the image, and she did it kind of like one of those 1950s era um, uh, corporate training videos. How do you learn how to do X? It was awesome. Yeah. Don't look at this. Yeah, there's all kinds of shit people are doing staying home. And uh, I think that that's great. You know, I'll submit for next year. I've never been to Denver. Um, when I stop spiraling and feeling sorry for myself, I'll start getting creative again. You know, everybody's going through this shit, though, you know, in different ways yeah, and at different times. There was the first 10 days I was in the house, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Um, I just, I was like in a, practically in a state of panic the whole time. And then that went away. And then I had a, every once in a while, I have a day where it's just like, I can't do anything. I can't, this is too much. Mm -hmm. I feel crazy. Yeah. Sometimes just that roller coaster. Well, because it's just, you know, your natural instinct in a crisis is to gather together. And in this crisis, we have to be apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh. you know, you end up, you're washing your fucking groceries in the sink with soap and water. Who doesn't feel crazy doing that? Yeah, I'm that. I feel like a lunatic, but I also don't want to die from this fucking thing. Yeah, we're all just trying to survive however we can. Yeah, and uh, but I know I'm gonna have to have some sort of creative outlet or I'm gonna go insane. So, yeah, and I have my job, which I, you know, I, I'm a, I do marketing, but I, it's basically I write, I write and edit and do videos and sh shit for work and figure stuff out, work yeah. with designs. I'm really happy. I have two web redesign projects that I'm working on, which have nothing to do with COVID. So it's like, I get to think about not COVID for 
you know, four or five hours a day, a couple of days a week. Yeah, none of my, none of my outlets are COVID related. So I won't watch any, I don't even watch, I don't watch any of the news conferences. I don't, I don't. I don't watch the news conferences. I don't watch local news or I don't have cable. I have, I have a Roku TV. I have all streaming. I don't. Uh, yeah, when something gets announced, I'll see it on the internet, on Facebook, yeah. and I'll know. You know, I don't need to hear Trump say anything else stupid. Well, even the like stupid shit. I was watching at least the conferences from the governors because at least like, especially like the governor of New. New, of New York. York and the mayor of New York were making me feel better. Uh -huh. Like somebody out there know sounds sensible and is in control of something. Um, and our our governor's been okay. Um, stop licking my boobs. And the, the mayor of Denver, mayor, huh? The mayor of Chicago gave a speech um, like at five o'clock one night a couple of I don't know a month ago, and it was like this is what they should be doing at the national level. But mm -hmm. she was just like. We're Chicago. We survived the fire. We rebuilt. It's going to suck for a while, but we're all going to be okay. Here's all the stuff that we're doing. We're working with the governor. She's just, she's just awesome. I love her. Yeah. And thankfully Kansas has a good governor right now. Um, thankfully it's not Brown back. Oh my oh, God. That jag off. I can't even imagine. They wouldn't even, oh, it'd be so bad. Like, Wichita, the mayor and the stuff, they would take care of it, but like the rural areas would just be free for all open. They wouldn't close. They, yeah. my friend works at a Sprint store in uh, Manhattan. And so they get a lot of the country people coming in. And he had a guy come in with an old phone that doesn't even have, it was like an old iPhone that doesn't even have 5G and was demanding that he turn the 5G off on his phone. And so my friend just turned off the phone and turned it back on and told him he was good after arguing with him about it for a little bit. It's like um, if you have ever have to deal with somebody who has dementia like, or Alzheimer's, you don't argue with them. You just go with it and say, you yeah, you're care. Pardon me? I used to do in-home care of people with oh. Alzheimer's. So yeah, my, my dad had, um, he had a, he had vascular dementia and it was mostly, he was mostly fine, but there was one night, um, I was, I lived up, we lived in a two flat. I lived upstairs of him and I said, I'm going to go upstairs. I got dinner in the oven. I'll be right down with dinner. And I came back down 10 minutes later, maybe 15 minutes later with his dinner. And there was an empty plate in front of him. And I'm like, my sister lived nearby. My brother lived nearby. And I said, who brought you dinner? And he said, the one who lives upstairs, I think. So that meant he didn't recognize me. He didn't remember the, my name, if he did remember the one who lived upstairs. And he didn't remember who brought him dinner. That was three pretty big things not to remember. In 15 minutes. minutes later. Yeah. And uh, um, it was right around sunset. So he was sundowning. But uh, I told all my brothers and sisters, I'm from a huge family, seven kids, told everybody, just watch for it. But I didn't argue with them. Just, okay, dad. I'll clean, just cleaned it up and took my food back upstairs. Yeah, that was hard. I know a lot of the kids, like the one lady I took care of the most, 
uh, was like eight hours a day, Monday through Friday for six weeks. And um, her kids had a lot of trouble. She had a couple, she had five children and, you know, two of them were still local. So they were really involved with her. But the, the others would, you know, they came to visit near the end because their dad was in the hospital and then he died. And um, so when they came for the funeral and stuff and when he was going downhill, you know, there was one son that was just adamant at trying to get her to remember him, the baby, the youngest one. And the others were like, you can't do that. You're, you're scaring her. Um, you're upsetting her because she doesn't even remember having children and you're telling her you're her child. And it's like you're a spaceman or a, a man from the future that's come back to tell her something. And it's, it was freaking her out. And, um, she, but the thing is, she always remembered her husband. They were married for 60 something years. Oh, that's sweet. And, uh, 65 years or something. And so she went to visit him in the hospital before he died. She said, that was my husband, but when did he get so old? Um, but she never forgot who her husband was. That's sweet. But yeah, but I, I've, I've heard people going, you remember dad, this is so-and-so. You remember dad? My, my sister-in-law's father had um, Alzheimer's. It was terrible. Yeah, um, it just makes them scared. Just go along with it. And yeah, because they get to a point where they don't know they have it. You know what I mean? So they're not scared anymore. That's just how whatever it is that they're thinking is their reality and they're not upset about it. And yeah. so when you start trying to push reality on them and they don't remember reality, it starts making them be like, am I crazy? Am I sick? Am I, you know what I mean? And yeah. Why make them work? I mean, they're just, just they're to make you feel better. Be. Just yeah. let them be. I think it does more. It, it's, that's more about making you feel better yeah. than making them feel better. For sure. Um, I mean, I get it. It would be hard to have your parent not know who you are, but. But yeah, I mean, he used to refer to my, what I'm, you know, in, in his defense, he had 17 grandchildren. Yeah, so, well, that would be hard to remember even if I didn't have dementia. Exactly. So he referred to um, my, one of my nieces as um, the, the little girl with brown hair or Lizzie's little girl or the one who lives down the street. Um, she was five when he was doing that. So Yeah. Um, but she was his 16th out of 17 grandkids. So he was lucky he remembered his own name. He was lucky he remembered my birthday and my birthday was the same day as his. I was born on his birthday. Oh, wow. Are you the one? Yeah, you're the one who was born on my birthday. <laughs> I bet was like that if I had seven kids in general. I sometimes have, I, like people ask me what their birthdays are. I'm like, um, I have to go in order. I'm like, well, she was born. And then... <laughs> Well, I have three and they are, um, uh, my daughter's birthday is New Year's Eve. So that's easy to remember. Yeah, my baby's is. And then my sons are April 20th or 20 and April 26th. So that's pretty easy to remember. My girls, my oldest is two weeks, two weeks after mine. And then my younger daughter's is two weeks before mine. And then my youngest is on New Year's Eve. And so I just have to remember my older boys is September 28th. There's nothing to remember it. But I did once fill out all of his daycare paperwork when he was like three, I think, um, two or three with September 29th. And my ex-husband corrected them because they had his birthday, you know, uh -huh. on the calendar. He's like, no, his birthday's the 28th. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. 
and then we looked on the paperwork and I put all the wrong. So I remembered it after that, but I do want it for some reason. I always wanted to say September 29th, but it was the 28th. Um, my brothers and sisters, we, my family was weird with birthdays. I have, I, I have six younger brothers and sisters. Three of them have the same birthday. Oh my gosh. And one of them is five days before that. So there's four birthdays right on top of each other, July 27th and July 22nd. So there's three on the 27th, um, which is just weird. And it's nine months before that. That's winter. Right? Halloween. Halloween. So apparently my parents were into uh, dress up. Um, Y'all were all distracted with the candy, you know? They're like, hey, they're eating their candy. Their first date was on Halloween, too. So I think it was, uh, I think it might have been Oh, so Halloween was a special day for them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But so with that many birthdays all at one time, and then my birthday is my dad's birthday, and then there's just two others to remember. So it was pretty easy. And my mom's was leap year day. So it was like, yeah, all easy to remember. I, I feel, you know, I have a, I had people I grew up with who are a family of 18 kids. And I don't know how the hell they remembered anybody's names, let alone birthdays. No. They were Irish Catholic, so it's not like they were Jehovah Witnesses where your birthday doesn't matter because they don't celebrate it. I could have been, like, I, well, my kidneys wouldn't function to keep getting pregnant, but otherwise... I could have popped a baby out every year. I had very easy pregnancies. I pushed babies out real easy. I recovered very quickly. Um, My mother did too. Baby machine. I should have been a Mormon or a Catholic because I could have just boom, 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 popped them out. We were Irish Catholic and my mother had kids um, 59, 60, 61, 63, 64, 66, 67, and 70. Yeah, I had them 96, 98, 2000, 2001. Okay, mine are 87, 89, and 91. Yeah. Which is nice to have them that close together. Oh, no, it's been great. And now they're all grown at the same time, and they are... um, friends with... They all get along, and they're, you know friends with each other now and um yeah so i they're very they're all pretty close so yeah it, my sons work together yeah they've worked three jobs together my kids have worked together from over the years um because my my younger daughter actually got my sons their first jobs um, where she, wherever she was working at the time and then they moved on to other jobs but yeah there was they've never all three worked together but Cassie Mine did once for two weeks yeah so they're good kids I miss them and that's one reason I it just makes sense for me to be in Wichita probably but I don't want to make that just I'm just I'm going to try to get a van and just that I can just leave when I want. I'm not going to get a place to live there. I'm not going to get a job there. I'm not going to fucking do it. <laughs> I, um, no. <laughs> a lot of my stuff in storage for two and a half years. And <coughs> I don't know if I want to do that again, but my rent here is unbelievably cheap. 
it's only 500 a month, um, which is cheap for anywhere. Um, so, you know, and it'll be hard to find not just my rent, but my, but my roommates are super cool. And it was so hard to find this place. I almost couldn't find a place and then almost had to go to like Texas for the winter or something. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I found this place. So it was just so hard. It was like two months and I just thought I was never going to find it. And, and so I don't want to let it go for nothing. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, I don't want to be here. I want to be in Denver. So if I have to pay rent on a place I'm not at, I don't care if it keeps it waiting for me to come back and I can afford to do it. Well, my, re my lease is up at the end of this month and I haven't gotten a new lease, but um, I'm not moving. Um, but I think it converts to month to month if, I, if he doesn't give me a lease. Also, but I don't know how they would find another roommate right now. It's not going to be a good time to try to find a roommate. That's... Uh, in Chicago, May 1st is a huge moving day. For some reason, it's like tradition. Um, October 1st and May 1st are the big moving days here. Um, That's weird. Yeah, it's just a thing. Like all the apartments are available on those dates. I mean, I could see because like as their colleges and stuff. It's like an old school thing. It just, so many people's leases, it, it started at one point where everybody's lease was either May 1st or October 1st for a year. And then all the moving on that day. And then, so you end up going everywhere. You're like, if you moved out in May or get your own place in May, it's always May. Um, yeah. So mine is May 1st. And um, uh, I, I would like a smaller place. Um, I was gonna get a roommate. Um, but now I'm not because I don't want somebody in here who, uh, whose behavior I can't control. Yeah, <laughs> or someone coming and going, but then you're trapped in an apartment with a stranger. Right. Oh. So I was, I was looking for a friend. I was going to try to see if I could get a friend or a friend of a friend or maybe a college student because I live in a university town. Northwestern University is pretty close to here, but I don't want somebody who's going out into the world and coming, bringing shit back into my house. My roommates don't really come and go. And, um, yeah, but if they're a college student, they're going to be coming. And we're here all the time, but I don't really hang out with them. I mean, they're in their rooms. I'm in my room. Sometimes they hang out together in the living room. I never hang. I don't even know if I've ever even sat on the couch. Um, really? I would go crazy. I, one thing about being on lockdown in this place is I, I like spend part of my day, in the dining room part, in the living room part, in my bedroom no, part. I have my room and I go outside. We do have a small yard and I have my dog, so I'm grateful for that. I can go stand and t put my toes in the grass. I need grass time. Um, so I'm grateful I'm not in an apartment. I do have a yard that's no one else is going to be in. Um, and it gets mowed. I don't have to deal with it. And uh, yeah, so this is just, this this place here is such a rare find in Denver that I don't, yeah. I don't want to give it up no matter what I do. I sh I'm probably just going to continue to pay my rent and just not be here. So on the topic of comedy again, this is kill this. What's killing me about this is that I don't have any, I can't write jokes because I write jokes based on life and I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So there's nothing to spark me to write new jokes. I finished like the first couple of weeks, I finished a joke that I had been working on for a really long time that I had like parts of, and yeah. it just sort of congealed. And 
now I've, I've got this joke and I've got notes. I got so many notes in my phone of undeveloped jokes. Um, I got plenty of jokes in my, that I haven't developed that I just write down and just never had time to develop and never worked on. So you need to do is just go through old notebooks and see what I have. But yeah, I mean, and I'm not going to write, I'm not going to write COVID jokes. I refuse or quarantine jokes. I don't find this fucking funny. <laughs> I, I have, um, everyone's going to be doing was, it too. March 8th was international women's day. And I, um, that was the last time I performed live. Actually, I, I did an open mic a couple of nights after. I did a show the 15th of March, and then that was, it got shut down after. Yeah, and so I, I did a COVID-ish joke. It was more like um, the, the, the punchline of this one joke that I had used to be, and I'm going on a cruise. Um, and then I changed it to, I'm going to Italy. And now I'm like, so I'm like, so this fucking virus has ruined one of my favorite jokes because I can't say I'm going on a cruise because at the time it was all on yeah. cruises. <laughs> can't say I'm going to Italy. And I'm like, so I, I'm going to invest in hand sanitizer, but I'm ching and stop. Stupid, but it was a joke. Uh, for two weeks or so before it shut down, so like from the, the beginning of March, I was bringing like Clorox wipes, had a little package of them. And I was wiping off the mic before I used it as a joke, but it was probably a good idea. It probably was. At the end of, I was sick all of January and I didn't go to anything. Yeah, um, I was sick the end of December, beginning of January too. Like I coughed for a month and I finally, like the last Tuesday of January, I went to my favorite, this Tuesday night open mic that I love. And I brought hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes. And um, I was still coughing a little bit. So when I went up there, um, uh, I said, uh, I said I was sick and don't worry, I'm gonna wipe down the, I'm gonna wipe the, down the mic afterwards with uh, disinfecting wipes. So, and here's, if you need hand sanitizer, I have it. And I did it as a joke. Um, uh, and people thanked me. Yeah. No, people it's totally thanked me afterwards. It totally ended up. I'm still walking around with a bag. I still have a bag of uh, disinfecting wipes. Well, we should have been doing this shit in January. We should have. Sh we should have been doing this. Yeah, shit there wouldn't January. be this. There wouldn't be fifty thousand people dead. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I don't do political jokes for the most part, other than like general like racism jokes. Yeah, I don't find Trump funny. You know, I don't even if I spell his name, it's always lowercase. Um, and I'm an editor, so that's like a significant thing in, you know, mm -hmm. like it's disrespect to, to not capitalize somebody's name. Um, but I try not even to say his name. Yeah. I, if I do actually type anything about him particularly, it, usually I'm sharing something. So I'm just like this idiot. Um, yeah, yeah I call I'll him 45. I just call him 45 or I call him Trump with an F. Yeah. Um, that fucking piece of shit. The um, fucking idiot in the White House. I have to say though, I have I've had like um, when all this crazy stuff started happening, happening, I started uh, using the, the Chicago and Pittsburgh swear word jag off a lot. Jag off this jag off this jag off over here. I love that word. I it's, love that word too. 
It's such a Chicago and Pittsburgh word. I um, had a high school teacher, maybe he was from there. He's from one of those places because this is where it's from. This and it's you not dogs get in here. It's not technically a swear word, but it feels like a swear word because it's so close to jack off. Yeah. So um, but it's different. I I yeah, I love that. But I've kind of I've kind of escalated to motherfuckers lately because um, it's like it's beyond jagoffery and it's too motherfuckery. It's just too motherfuckers. Yeah. Just, motherfuckers. And I, I and I feel like there's a there's a joke in there. No, you can't eat that. It's got raisins in it. Stop. I don't know what comes up after I don't know what comes after motherfucker. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like using I don't like using words about the female body or women as an insult. I know. I don't, I don't, I, I never use the word cunt to describe the female genitalia. Not once have I ever used it in actually that term. So it does, you know what I mean? It only means a terrible. I might have, but it was part of like, you know, dirty talk and a, like, yeah, it was fun sex stuff. <laughs> it's your cunt. Look, you just made me blush talking about that. I don't blush anymore, I think, about that kind of stuff. I know, but like, this is what you do to audiences. Like, you made me blush talking about you having dirty talk where you were talking about cunt. Your cheeks yeah, are I know. I, I, I'm just, uh, maybe my, I love it. my role, my role is to tell people that you don't die when you turn 60. Yeah. So if you had told me that a year ago, I was having, I had such a hard time turning 60. I hated it. I was so depressed. I was so upset. You can't and even imagine. I know what I was at 40. I just was like, they're like, you want to burn? I was like, no, just leave me alone. I was fine. I had a hard time at 35, but that was because I was married to a monster yeah. and I was miserable. So turning 35 was just like, oh, I'm such a disaster. But I started lying and telling people I was 27. They believed me. And I felt better. Yeah, but I don't look my age, so that helps me. But I'm actually like, since I turned 40, it's an amazing. I can't wait. Like, I have a friend that's 10 years younger than me, and there's all these things she's going through. And I was like, I can't wait for you to be 40. 40s? You're not going to fucking care anymore. I had a lot. I think I might have had the most fun, especially with sex, in my late yeah. 30s and 40s. Because you like, know what you want, you know how to do it, you know how to get to it. You and you and you kind of get to the point where you're like, yeah, I'll try that. Sure. Yeah. I've tried all kinds of things. I'll try that. That could. What could it hurt? Yeah. If I don't like it, we'll stop. Yeah. And then it's just like, not that I gave a whole bunch of fucks before about things, but oh, honey, you had you me. Have no idea. You're gonna give a shit about so much less. No, I'm excited. It gets um, easier. That's what my mom says. Yeah, that's what I'm, I do a joke about how, you know, um, I have, you know, no fucks left to give. I don't give a fuck. Well, yeah, because like when I was 30, I never, I've always wanted to shave my head like this since high school, but I never would have went out in public like this um, I comfortably. I thought about shaving my head about a month ago and I called one of my friends. It was because, um, you know, my hair, I do my own color. So um, my, my roots were growing out and they were getting pretty long. And I w it was like, either I have to shave my head 
and just start from scratch mm-hmm. or I had to start color. I had to color my hair. So I called my friend, the redhead, one of my redheaded friends in California. And I was like, I don't, should I shave my hair? Cause I use henna and you can't go from henna to dye because it turns your hair green. Yeah. Fun. And I, but not a fun green, like an ugly green. So I don't want to do that. Like murky um, pond water green. Yeah. Just icky. Yeah. Murky, yucky. So, uh, and my, my hair, the girl cuts my hair is my old neighbor and she, she won't color my hair ever until it's like, so the only way I can get it, I either have to have like, let it grow out and have like white roots to here for her to cut it and then get it dyed again. Um, I don't want to look like that. Um, so I was like, maybe I just shave my hair and start again. And my friend Jen talked me out of it. She's like, you have the hair color in the house. Just go fucking do your roots. So I did. Cause I would, you know, I start laughing on a, on a uh, zoom call and all of a sudden I can see a stripe down the top of my head. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I don't fucking care. Um, I don't care because a lot of what I cared about was because I was concerned about being attractive to men and I don't give a shit if I'm attractive to men anymore and I don't shave my armpits anymore um until like in the summertime sometimes it gets hot and I'll shave them but I shave them because it's annoying me not because I give a shit about anybody oh and that's why I shave my armpits is because I don't like how it feels yeah but um, before but I, was I, shaving my, my, I haven't shaved my legs in years I don't wear makeup anymore except when I am being paid to perform and my daughter's wedding. I and wear makeup when I feel like wearing makeup, you know what I mean? But I, and I had headshots done in March and uh, I wear makeup for that. Yeah, I feel, I wear makeup when I want to wear makeup because I want to have makeup on, not because I'm, I'm not wearing it for anyone else. Um, yeah, I just, I really don't. And my legs are hairy and I don't give a shit. Um, and it has like not hairy. I've never been super hairy. I, I, I've never had to like do anything to my eyebrows. It hasn't stopped the men from trying to at least have sex with me. Um, my, so they don't fucking care. Yeah. I think no, really, if you're good, if you give good head, they don't care. (laughs) They don't. No, they don't. (laughs) Your mouth could have your mouth could be covered in hair inside of it. As long as it doesn't have herpes, you don't have a cold sore. If you were good. If you were if you were good at giving oral sex, they wouldn't give a shit. They wouldn't. Then I'm good at oral sex, so. I've been told that I look like I'm good at oral sex. I don't know what that means. Dick sucking lips or something. I don't know. No. My favorite compliment that I my st- I have to say my second favorite compliment that I ever got from a guy is he said I reminded him of cake. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, you look delicious and luscious and moist. And I was just like, okay, I can be cake. That's the, that's the second best compliment I ever got. The, the best was about my eyes. Um, but, and it was a, like a really super poetic compliment. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was lovely. I just get, I like your curves. Um, I get lots of compliments on my smile. 
and my eyes. But yeah, I get a lot of compliments on my smile that I have a great smile. And uh, I just want to be like, well, I don't do it a whole lot on a regular, like this is my normal face. You know, like I have resting bitch face when I'm not smiling. I don't like that term either. Yeah. Because you just, the guys don't have resting face. They just have a face. We're expected, we call it resting bitch face because women are expected to be pleasing and helpful and, and gracious and grateful that you are noticing us. But like my face, my, my lips on the corners literally just turned down naturally. It's normal. It's <laughs> having a face. People think I'm angry when I'm not. Also, I, people think I sound angry when I'm not. Because I'm very passionate sometimes. Yeah, yesterday I snapped at people at work and I didn't mean to. And I've known them both, one of them for 15 years and one of them for five. And I was just like, I'm really sorry. I'm in a bad mood and it's yeah. nothing to do with you. I think one of the benefits of this whole quarantine as a person that's always struggled with depression and anxiety is that people that have never dealt with it are, are, are getting, you know, hopefully temporary cases of it. You know what I mean? Like my mother finally understands some things about me because she's like describing her anxiety going to the grocery store. And I was like, mom, that's how I feel going to the grocery store all the time, every single day. Um, anytime I go to the grocery store, unless I'm high on an edible. And uh, she was like, I couldn't live like this every day. And I was like, yeah. And now it's even like, like, I can't even go in. I can't, like, I went and got my prescriptions. They didn't have a drive-through. But the last time I went to the grocery store, I went to Walgreens and spent more than I needed to just because it was small. There was nobody in there. I get in and out. Um, and you pay, yeah. a, I, we have a company here, Instacart. Yeah, we have that too. I've been using that. Um, I tried uh, to get stuff delivered, but then half the shit ain't even there. And then now I have food stamps, so I can't use it. Oh, I have, I can pick up from Walmart here using food stamps, but, um, and have it delivered from Walmart. But every time I've had it delivered from Walmart, I don't have half the shit I need. And then, um, getting, uh, when I first tried to use Instacart during this, I couldn't get a date. I couldn't even get a date and, um, they were out of everything. Yeah. Now I can get dates usually the next the same day or the next day. And, um, here they, you gotta go on in the morning and get them. Cause there's like, they only book it two days out and then you gotta, you gotta like, so you gotta get up in the morning and get the slot. I did it last Monday and I picked uh, like fast and free or fast and something and it was like flex it was flex delivery it was like anytime this week I'm like fine I'm work I'm at home I'm not going anywhere um, yeah. but I buy groceries for my kid because um, he doesn't drive so yeah so I've been ordering him groceries so that he doesn't have to walk to the jewel and doesn't it, the, the jewel is the, the main grocery chain here. It's like high B. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have to go to the grocery store and um, I just leave it out on my back porch and he comes and picks it up. Yeah. My like in Wichita, that's the thing too, is like, I can send my, I can send my son to the store. I've used to do it all the time. And I lived in Wichita. I didn't feel like going to the store 
send him with a list and he'll call me and um if they don't have something or you know what i mean so um will your snap benefits work in kansas uh-huh yeah because it's a federal program oh, okay i wasn't sure how that worked yeah i looked it up because i was because i'm going to buy groceries to stay at my friends for two weeks and i'm going to buy them groceries i'm also going to help her i'm going to help my friend while i'm there i'm going to help paint her house inside her house and stuff um that she needs she's just been in a very long depression before this and i think just a new coat of paint in her house is going to help immensely so what's really funny is i was depressed for a, i was having problems with depression since like last spring until january and then i got sick and i started feeling better i wasn't going out i was except for to go to the grocery store to get you know to get medicine and um food and medicine. That was it. Just kind of like now, only I'm not going out at all. Um, and uh, I started feeling better. And I was talking to my therapist. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm happy. I feel better. And he's like, no, I think we should talk about, look at this. And we figured out I wasn't getting, I was getting better sleep. I was sleeping more and just taking, doing self-care. And I moved in uh, in two parts last year, I moved in the middle of May, half of my stuff into the, my apartment. Then I helped, was helping run Omaha Improv Fest. And a week later I moved. And the next month, uh, was my daughter's bridal shower. And the month after that was my daughter's other bridal shower. And then there was September and then my daughter got married in October. And then I had a business trip and then it was Thanksgiving, and then it was Christmas, and then I was sick. Oh, and my daughter broke her ankle in February, and I spent two weeks in Detroit taking care of her because she had eight pins in her ankle. Yeah. So uh, last year sucked, and this year sucks more so far, but I'm not as depressed because I'm sleeping. And I realized that getting enough rest for me is, like, super key. I also take vitamin D and my antidepressants and I have Xanax on hand at all times. Yeah, I, um, I don't take it all the time, but I have it. My problem is, is that I have completely devoted my life to comedy for the last year, a hundred percent. And so now without comedy, I'm completely lost at where my place is in the world. You know, I don't, I'm just flailing at the moment. I'll get my footing again. Um, I'll survive. I'm, it's going to be me and the fucking cockroaches. Um, I've, you know, I mean, like I've, uh, I used to always joke if there was like a real apocalyptic situation, like zombie apocalypse and shit, that I would just kill myself. But I know I won't. I'll just survive with no, the hate. My, 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 my um, suicide trigger will be being diagnosed with dementia when i'm still lucid enough i'll probably go but uh because that's hard on other people so yeah no i mean i was talking to my mom i got when i when my job fired me i just had a breakup and my job fired me and i called my mom and i was crying to her um and i I was, I was like, you know, she was giving me the whole don't, uh, you know, your kids and, 
it would destroy me and all this stuff. And I was like, but you have to understand that my sick brain is telling me that that you'll be better off, that I'm a burden. Also, my I don't think this now, obviously, because my brain is healthy at the moment. Um, but I was like, I feel like you're guilt tripping me with your love and that if you really loved me, you'd let me go. If you really loved me, you'd let me, you'd want me to be out of pain and you would let me go. And uh, oh, that's hard. That was super heavy for my mom to hear, but yeah. I've never really been that open with her about my depression. And I just wanted her to understand that I can't positive think my way out of it. I can't, you know what I mean? That those yeah. are the things my brain, that's the battle I'm fighting. That's is that that's what my brain's telling me. Um, and so I, I have to fight that. I don't, I don't get suicidal. I just get miserable. Um, but you can't so tired is what it is. You can't logic yourself out of, or pep talk yourself out of depression. It's just, I'm so, I get so tired sometimes of living. It's not that I want to die necessarily. I'm just like, yeah, tired of it. I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't see any other way to stop doing it. But I never, I never get to that part. I, I, my depression is I don't mom. get there very often. I haven't been there for years. Um, yeah, mine gets mine is more uh, more moderate than that. But I I know how crappy I feel, and I know people feel a lot, 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 lot worse. My everyday depression that I get when I get like because sometimes I just I just wake up and I'm depressed, and um, it's just a lethargic thing. Like I don't feel like going anywhere, and I want to sleep, and you know I want to lay around and watch TV, and I just it's not even that I'm sad or I'm crying. I'm just like, I just don't fucking care about anything. Yeah. And um, I just listen to my body when I have those times. And I do, I do what it wants. It wants me to lay down. So I lay down and I just wait for it to be over. But yeah. yeah like, I need to sleep. But like occasionally, like it hasn't gotten that low in five years and it took a lot to get there. I mean, there was a pandemic. Comedy got shut down. I had a breakup. I got a job. I got fired. There was like a lot of catalysts that in a, in a, in a week. It's huh. a lot of shit in two weeks. Yeah, that is. It's a lot of things that happened to me in two, three week period that just any one of those things could send somebody into a depression. And then I had all of them happen. And, and I was all alone here all the time. Yeah, that sucks. With my head, with my, I have no, I had nothing to distract me from my thoughts. And so it was an, it was really rough. Um, and that's when I started decided, I decided to start doing these interviews. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to ever listen to these podcasts, but it's going to give me content on the website. It's going to give me stories to use for donors to see that this is something that is worth investing in. Um, it's gonna, you know, and if nothing else, it's, it's, I'm getting to talk to people. I have gotten, to know some people that I do know, like even you or like some comedians here to share and they've shared their stories with me and been vulnerable with me and really let me in. And um, there's been some very beautiful moments that have happened in these conversations of these like real connections that I've made with people. Um, so that's been really good. So even if nobody listens to this, uh, it's helping me stay sane. Um, I need a big donut. And it's keeping me off of Facebook. 
because like my friend you know like somebody wanted to somebody wanted to, to, to call um me today and i was like well, i have interviews all day then i have a show tonight so i'm busy all day today um and so that and then i have to edit things you know and so um yeah it's just keeping me busy and if something good comes of it outside of of that it's it's definitely been a benefit to me to talk to other women and other comedians and um yeah so you don't feel everybody is going through this but when you're going through it and you're not talking to people you feel like you're the only one and facebook only lets you understand so much what people are going through but talking to people makes me feel like connected yeah connected and less crazy the same thing i'm trying to do with comedy it's what comedy does you know i feel a common bond we're going through the same thing together and um so it's helpful to me and i feel like you know like i was super super depressed today i didn't really want to do these interviews but i wasn't going to cancel them um i just want to lay in my bed and watch tv and cry <laughs> but i can't because i got shit to do man and then i gotta pack and i gotta drive to kansas and then i gotta fucking i just gotta keep myself busy you know that helps um i have uh, i take vitamin d uh, every day i take five thousand international units and it it's actually, I think like it was like the last piece of what I needed to keep. Do you get out, do you get any sun? Very little. Yeah. I, 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 I burn to a crisp. Um, do you have windows to get some indoor? Oh yeah, I sit in front. I, 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 my windows face east in my, in my living room, in my bedroom. So well, I have. The times here that it's snowed or been gray and crappy for two or three days have been the worst during this quarantine. It's been rainy here for a few days. And yes, I do get to go out in the yard and stand in the grass and sit in the sun um, and and feel the sun. I don't stay at it very long. I'm also very white, but um, just yeah, get it. I burn a my, um, my, I, I open, my window's open. Not everybody's window's open in apartment buildings. Mine do. Yeah. I get lots of fresh air. I open the windows. I sleep with the windows open, so I get fresh air all the time. Yeah. And there's people, I think that I'm sure the guy downstairs and I think the guy upstairs are both big pot smokers. So I can smell weed all the time. Well, weed. I live in Denver, so I smell weed all the time. I'm surrounded where I live. I'm surrounded by um, predominantly Hispanic families in every house around me. So they, and they have, um, there's a lot of people that live there and they're barbecuing every day and they've been setting off a lot of fireworks for some reason and it's like fucking fourth of july around here um but you know um they're very active outside and and they're just over the fence so when i'm in my yard there's people over there they're speaking spanish i don't know what they're saying the kid that lives up front i don't know if he lives there or if it's just his parents but he's there a lot it's pretty cute um I see him when I go get the mail sometimes and Luke runs up to him. I don't know how old he is, but old enough to, you know, he's definitely in his twenties. This is a cute little snack. Um, like, wouldn't that be romantic if that's how I found the love of my life? He's your neighbor, your my neighbor's son. You met him at the pub, at the mailbox. His dog, my dog runs up to him and tries to get in his car. Oh, come back here. <laughs> Cute, neat. Luke. 
Yeah. I don't know. Men are going crazy right now. Men are fucking like dudes that weren't getting laid before are suddenly like, ah, and like, cause I tried to do online dating again. Cause I thought maybe cause I'm an idiot. Like maybe there'd be people on there that want to talk to me and actually get to know me and don't care about sex since we can't hook up. But no, they're just like, want to come over and fuck. And I'm just like, no, I don't even want to shake your hand. What are you talking about? In the eighties, I've been, I've been telling some people about this in the eighties. There was a, when AIDS was new, when we were just learning about AIDS, they had all these PSAs that were like, when you have sex with somebody, you're not just having sex with them. You're having sex with everyone they ever had sex with and everyone they ever had sex with and everyone they ever had sex with. And I feel like that applies now to COVID. You're not just having sex with that guy. You're having sex with everybody he's ever touched in the last two weeks who may have COVID. Yeah. Anybody who coughed in the same building as him. Every single person that was at the Walmart when we went grocery shopping. Exactly. That's who you're having sex with. Yeah, fuck you. I'm not touching you. I wouldn't fuck you with somebody else's cunt. (laughs) I, uh... (laughs) There's a joke. I uh, <laughs> I love that line. I mean, that's a guy line. I wouldn't fuck her with somebody else's dick. Yeah, no, I, I love it though. Uh, get away from me, you ugly piece of shit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I wouldn't go just fuck a stranger that I had. I wouldn't agree to go to someone's house and fuck them that I had never met anyway. Yeah. In normal times, I'm certainly not doing it now. In normal times. Normal. The, I like to call it the before times. The before times. Yeah, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go do that anytime. Certainly not doing it now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking back to my whole life. I never fucked a stranger outright. Everybody had it. I'd gone to bars and picked dudes up at bars, but I spent, I was able to see them and smell them and talk to them and you oh, know, yeah, I just remembered one guy and um, spend hours with them at the bar hanging out and drinking beforehand. I didn't just walk into their house and be like, what up? Yeah, there was one guy in Ireland. Yeah. That was fun. I want some of that. I'm thinking about he was wearing a kilt. He was wearing a kilt. He was with a group of guys. Hell yeah. From Scotland who were in those kilts, huh? I was like, is it true there's nothing under your kilt? And he goes, oh, there's some under my kilt. And I said, show me. Hell yeah. That was a good, that was a good trip. (laughs) Yeah, just when you start to get sad, just think about that. You know, those moments are for. I went to Paris in November 2018 with my sister. I got the like $600 round trip airfare. And we stayed in an Airbnb and it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was super affordable for me. And I'm actually, I mean, I'm legit thinking about going to Dublin if Trump wins again, I'll come back. I'll come back uh, to vote for whoever the next president is, but you don't have to come back. Expats can vote from overseas. Well, I can't live there forever. My daughter's. One of my daughter's best friends from college, um, he lived in Toronto, no, Montreal, and he voted in 2016. Because they have a decent comedy scene in Dublin, and because I've been investigating it, and also um, they have a big van life 
um, community there, the people that live in their vans. And they also... Um, They're not the travelers, are they? The tinkers? Because you don't want to get involved. No. My family's from Ireland. You don't want to get involved with those guys. I, they don't travel together or anything. Um, okay. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be... The whole point of a van is to be self-sufficient. Did you ever see Snatch? The movie Snatch? It's a Guy Ritchie movie. Brad Pitt's in it. He plays yes. this Irish tinker, Irish gypsy. The bare knuckle boxer, he, yeah. it, he, you can't understand him for the most part. It's gibberish. Well, and the, the jobs I have in accounting, I can do anywhere. I can do accounts payable anywhere. It's all, it's all the same. It's just, you know, different, different kind of currency. My but, grandmother was born, my, my mother's parents were both born in Ireland. So um, I can get Irish citizenship. And I'm thinking, I, I've got all the papers together. I need, just need to fill out the last Man, full I was so pissed off the other day, like when Bernie dropped out and everyone's trying to shove Biden in my face. And I was so fucking mad. I was like, I want to leave the country and just fucking renounce my citizenship. Fuck America. I was so angry. I was like, I wish I could leave. I wish I could leave this country. Like, if you don't like it, leave. I wish I could. I wish I could leave. If I didn't have kids, if I didn't have children um, here, I would totally leave this country in a heartbeat. But I'm thinking about getting Irish citizenship because for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that it, it would be a retirement possibility. If I'm an Irish citizen, I can live anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the EU. Um, so uh, I, I could go to France or I could go to Italy or I could go to Switzerland. And my company actually has an office in Brussels and I wouldn't work there because I would have to take the train, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's something to think about. Well, in Ireland too, like a lot of the accounting jobs, um, are work from home. I, you know, a, a lot of them are work from home in the accounting field there. So it's, there's a lot of remote jobs in Ireland for that. Um, I've been looking, I've been investigating it <laughs> as an option. Um, I at least want to, I'm, I'm definitely going to go visit Dublin. I'm definitely going to go spend like a month there. I had a ball in Dublin. I was in Ireland for 10 days, nine days, and it was fantastic. But a um, couple of weeks ago, I finally took all my photos that I took when I was in Paris and started putting together a scrapbook. And I spent like five hours doing it. And, and it was such a nice relief because it was like I was in Paris and not here in a, in a pandemic um, for a few hours. And I have one more, one more day of worth of photos to put in. I need to do that and then I need to be finished with it. But I'm kind of, it's kind of like the last bite of dessert. You want to kind of wait, take your time. Yeah. And My wait. dog needs to go outside. I kind of need to do the same thing. Yeah, I got to He's over there whining at me. It was nice talking with you, Helen. I hope some of this was usable for you. It was definitely usable. And I'm glad um, to be able to talk to you about the improv part of it. Because I really haven't had a lot of improv people sign up to discuss anything with me. And I, I mean, I have theories on improv and its benefits, but I don't, you know, I, I just think any creative outlet would be beneficial. Do you know um, Wendy or Lindsay Thies or Thies. Sounds familiar. She um, used to live in Omaha. She lives in Denver now. She's 
she was involved with Big Canvas. She might be one of the founders of Big Canvas in Omaha, and she, she does. She's all improv, so she might be somebody for you to talk to. Sure. Yeah. No, definitely. I'll, I'll see if I can. Much better. She's much more into it than I am, and better I'm at. Probably it. Facebook friends with her. <laughs> I don't know it. I have a lot of Facebook friends I don't know. So it was amazing talking to you. I'm glad you're doing well and that you're keeping healthy and you're being smart um, so that I can see you in person again someday. Yeah. Because Chicago is one of the first places I want to visit when I get out of here, when I get out of here, like I'm in prison. When you get your, uh, when in 2021, when you do your festival, I'll, you know, I'll submit and you can put me in, let me come. For sure. I have a cousin who lives in the suburbs of Denver, so I could crash with her. Awesome. I look forward to it. So thank you and uh, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.